Hello, and welcome to the African American Hour. I'm Rosemarie Anque, bringing you readings from the following publications CNN News, The Community Voice, The Root, The Griot, News One, Blavity News, and Huff Post. Today, I'll begin with an article titled Omicron, a new COVID-19 variant with high numbers of mutations, sparks travel bans, and worries scientists by David McKenzie, Ghazi Balkiz, Ivana Kotasova, and Laura Smith-Spark, CNN, November 26, 2021. The discovery of a new and potentially more transmissible coronavirus variant by South African health authorities has sparked a forceful reaction across the world with a number of countries banning travelers from several Southern African countries. The World Health Organization announced Friday it has designated a newly identified coronavirus. The World Health Organization announced Friday it has designed the newly identified coronavirus variant B11529 as a variant of concern named Omicron. Besides South Africa, the newly identified variant has been detected in Botswana, Hong Kong, and Belgium. It appears to be spreading rapidly in parts of South Africa, and scientists are concerned its unusually high number of mutations could make it more transmissible and result in immune evasion. The European Center for Disease Prevention and Control said there is a high to very high risk the new variant will spread in Europe. WHO's Technical Advisory Group on SARS-CoV-2 Virus Evolution, TAGVE, an independent group of experts, met Friday to discuss the variant, a WHO statement said. The advisors recommend WHO designate the variant as, in quotes, of concern, referencing the variant's large number of mutations, the possibility of increased risk and reinfection, and other evidence. The number of studies are underway, and WHO will update member states and the public as needed, the WHO statement said. South African officials initially said there was one confirmed case in a traveler from South Africa to Hong Kong. Then Hong Kong health authorities on Friday identified a second case of the B11529 variant among returning travelers on the same floor of a designated quarantine hotel. Also on Friday, the Belgian government said one individual who had recently arrived from abroad and was not vaccinated, had tested positive for the new variant, making the first case in Europe. Tulio de Oliveira, T-U-L-I-O-D-E-O-L-I-V-E-I-R-A, the director of South Africa's Center for Epidemic Response and Innovation, said the variant has many more mutations than we expected, adding it is spreading very fast and we expect to see pressure in the health system in the next few days and weeks. Viruses, including the one that causes COVID-19, 
mutate regularly, and most new mutants do not have a significant impact on the virus's behavior and the illnesses they cause. Dr. Ashija, A-S-H-I-S-H-J-H-A, Dean of Brown University's School of Public Health, told CNN the variant was acting differently. It looks like it's much more contagious than even the Delta variant. The number of countries, among them the United States, have imposed new travel restrictions and markets in the U.S., Asia, and Europe fell sharply following the news of its discovery. A number of countries, among them the United States, have imposed new travel restrictions and markets in the U.S., Asia, and Europe fell sharply following the news of its discovery. Acting on advice from U.S. health officials, U.S. President Joe Biden will restrict travel from South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho, Eswantini, Mozambique, and Malawi, administration officials told CNN. This does not apply to American citizens and lawful permanent residents. As with all international travelers, they must still test negative prior to travel. What we know about the new variant. Lawrence Young, a virologist and a professor of molecular oncology at Warwick Medical School in the United Kingdom, said the Omicron variant was very worrying. It is the most heavily mutated version of the virus we have seen to date. This variant carries some changes we've seen previously in other variants, but never altogether in one virus. It also has novel mutations, Young said in a statement. The variant has a high number of mutations, about 50 overall. Crucially, South African genomic scientists said Thursday more than 30 of the mutations were found in the spike protein, the structure the virus uses to get into the cells they attack. Neil Ferguson, the director of the MRC Center for Global Infectious Disease Analysis at Imperial College London, said in his statement the number of mutations on the spike protein was unprecedented. The spike protein gene is the protein which is the target of most vaccines. There is therefore a concern that this variant may have a greater potential to escape prior immunity than previous variants, Ferguson said. Sharon Peacock, a professor of public health and microbiology at the University of Cambridge, said while the overall number of COVID-19 cases is relatively low in South Africa, there has been a rapid increase in the past seven days. She said while 273 new infections were recorded on November 16th, the figure has risen to more than 1,200 cases by November 25th, with more than 80% coming from Gauteng province, G-A-U-T-E-N-G. The epidemiological picture suggests that this variant may be more transmissible and several mutations are consistent with enhanced transmissibility, Peacock said in a comment shared by the UK Science Media Center. 
She added, while the significance of the mutations and their combination is unknown, some of those present in the latest variant have been associated in others with immune evasion. Ja, J-H-A, too, said scientists were concerned by the speed with which the Omicron variant has taken off. This one has become dominant very quickly in South Africa, in the regions where it's been found within a matter of days to weeks, as opposed to months. What we don't know. Peacock de Oliveria, Ferguson, Ja, and other scientists said it is too early to tell the full impact of the mutations on de Oliveria stressed the COVID-19 shots are still the best tool against the virus, adding lab studies still need to be carried out to test the vaccine and antibody evasion. I don't think we're going to see a situation where the vaccines will be rendered useless, said Ja. I think that's exceedingly unlikely. The question is, is there a tiny hit to vaccine efficacy or is there a large hit? I think we'll get some preliminary data probably in the next few days. It is also unclear where the new mutation emerged from. While it was first identified in South Africa, it may have come from elsewhere. It is important not to assume that the variant first emerged in South Africa, Peacock said. Vaccine maker Moderna said Friday, the combination of mutations seen in the new Omicron variant represents a significant potential risk to accelerate the waning of natural and vaccine-induced immunity. The company said it was working rapidly to test the ability of its vaccine to neutralize the new variant, and data was expected in the coming weeks. AstraZeneca, another vaccine maker, said it was looking to understand the impact the Omicron variant has on its own coronavirus vaccine and was testing its antibody combination therapy against the new variant. The platform used in the vaccine enables the company to respond quickly to new variants, a spokesperson for the company said Friday. AstraZeneca is also already conducting research in locations where the variant has been identified, namely in Botswana and Esiwantini, that will enable us to collect real-world data of Vaxervia against this new virus variant, the spokesperson said. AstraZeneca's vaccine is not currently authorized for use in the U.S. Johnson & Johnson said it's testing its vaccine against the new variant. Quick reaction. Scientists have praised South African health authorities for their quick reaction to a COVID-19 outbreak in the country's Gauteng province, which led to the discovery of the new variant. When cases in the province started to see rise at a higher rate than elsewhere, health experts focused on sequencing samples from those who tested positive, which allowed them to quickly identify the B11529 variant. Peacock said the South African Health Ministry and its scientists are to be applauded in their response, their science, and in sounding the alarm to the world. She added the development shows how important it is to have excellent sequencing capabilities 
and to share expertise with others. The reaction to the announcement of the new variant discovered by South African health authorities was also prompt. UK officials announced Thursday six African countries would be added to England's travel red list after the UK Health Security Agency flagged concern over the variant. UK Health Minister Sajid Javid said flights to the UK from South Africa, Namibia, Lesotho, Botswana, Eswatini, and Zimbabwe would be suspended from midday Friday and all six countries would be added to the red list, meaning UK residents and British and Irish nationals arriving home from those points of departure must undergo a 10-day hotel quarantine at their own expense. Speaking on Friday, Javid said it was highly likely the B11529 variant has spread beyond Southern Africa. In a statement to the UK House of Commons Friday, Javid expressed concern it may pose a substantial risk to public health. European Union states have agreed to introduce temporary restrictions on all travel into the EU from Southern Africa over the new COVID-19 variant, the bloc said Friday. Member states agreed to introduce rapidly restrictions on all travel into the EU from seven countries in the Southern African region, Botswana, Eswatini, Lesotho, Mozambique, Namibia, South Africa, Zimbabwe, said EU Commissioner Spokesman Eric Maymer. Singapore, Japan, Malaysia, the Philippines, Israel, Turkey, Egypt, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Jordan have also announced new restrictions on travelers coming from that region. Canada will be banning the entry of foreign nationals that have traveled through Southern Africa in the last 14 days due to the new coronavirus variant, said Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos at a press conference on Friday. Canadians and permanent residents and those with a right of entry into Canada will be tested on arrival and they will quarantine until they get the result of a negative test, according to Duclos. South Africa, like much of the region, has suffered through three significant COVID-19 waves since the pandemic start. While the number of new infections across the country is now still relatively low and positivity levels are under 5%, public health officials have already predicted a fourth wave because of slow vaccine uptake. South Africa has fully vaccinated 35.37% of its adult population and has seen its rate of people initiating vaccination fall in recent days, according to data from the country's Department of Health. This article was titled, Omicron, a new COVID-19 variant with high number of mutations, sparks travel bans and worries scientists by David McKenzie, Ghazi Balkis, Ivana Kotasova, Laura Smith 
Spark, CNN, November 26, 2021. The next article is titled, Wrongly Convicted Kevin Strickland, Free After 43 Years in Prison, by The Community Voice, November 23, 2021. After being imprisoned for 43 years for a crime he didn't commit, Kevin Strickland, 62, is now free. In 1978, Strickland was 18 years old and convicted by an all-white jury for a Kansas City triple murder. He maintained his innocence the whole time, telling authorities he was home watching television. I had absolutely nothing to do with these murders, he said. By no means was I anywhere close to the crime scene. Judge James Welsh announced that prosecutors met the burden of providing convincing evidence that undermines Strickland's conviction. Welsh also said there was no physical evidence that connected Strickland to the murders, and he was convicted solely on eyewitness testimony. Cynthia Douglas, a survivor of the shooting, recanted her identification of Strickland at the scene at the scene of the crime, but she passed away in 2015. Her family testified at Strickland's evidentiary hearing, evidentiary hearing, which began on November 8th. They testified that police pressured Douglas to identify Strickland and that her identification of Strickland burdened her up until her death. Two other men sent to prison for the murders also testified that Strickland was not part of the crime. In August, Jackson County Prosecutor Jean Peters Baker announced that she was taking legal action to free Strickland. Most of us have heard the famous quotation that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, said Jackson County Prosecutor Jean Peters Baker. Kevin Strickland stands as our own example of what happens when a system set to be just just gets it terribly wrong. Governor Mike Parson refused to issue a pardon for Strickland, saying he wasn't convinced Strickland was innocent. Parsons then pardoned Mark and Patricia McCloskey, the St. Louis pair who brandished guns at a Black Lives Matter protest last year. Strickland will not be compensated by the state for his wrongful conviction. The state's compensation law only allows payment to those exonerated through a DNA testing statute, which is not the case for Strickland. Strickland's attorneys set up an online fundraiser, which has raised about 40000 to help him get on his feet. H-T-T-P-S semicolon backslash backslash www.gofundme.com slash f slash help hyphen help hyphen Kevin hyphen Strickland hyphen after hyphen wrongful hyphen conviction question mark. We welcome Kevin Strickland back to Kansas City. Our community owes him more than we can imagine and we commit to doing all that we can to support him, said Mayor 
Quentin Lucas. Currently, Kevin Strickland's GoFundMe has raised $1,718,000 as of today. This article is titled, Wrongly Convicted Kevin Strickland Free After 43 Years in Prison by the Community Voice Staff, November 23rd, 2021. The next article is titled, Newly Inspirational Mural to be Unveiled in KCK by Jaslyn Johnson, the Community Voice, November 23rd, 2021. Rodney Lucky Easterwood began his career in the 1980s as a pictorial painter, painting giant advertising billboards and signs by hand. It was a difficult task transferring a small image onto canvas of a much larger scale, and it took considerable training to perfect the lettering and sizing. As computers and printers took over, the need for pictorial painters diminished, but that did not stop Easterwood from continuing his passion for art. He began painting murals across the country, including Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, Illinois, and his hometown, Kansas City, Kansas, while spreading positive and inspirational messages through his work. I don't just paint colors on the wall, Easterwood said. I want to inspire. Easterwood is known for art that instills cultural pride and hopefulness through his realistic style of painting. After one of Easterwood's many inspiring murals will be unveiled Saturday, November 27th, noon, at the Community Boxing and Fitness Center, 2055 North 17th Street in Kansas City, Kansas. The mural is sponsored by the United Government of Wyandotte County and Kansas City, Kansas. The mural is sponsored by the Unified Government of Wyandotte County and Kansas City, Kansas. The mural, which Easterwood named Brighter Day, features two young children who Easterwood says reflect the children in KCK. He hopes the mural will inspire KCK youth to pursue the bright futures ahead of them. Anita Easterwood, Easterwood's daughter, is also an artist and was influenced by her father's work. He really is an amazing, talented artist, she said. Last year, the two worked together on the Black Lives mural on 18th and Quindaro that was featured in the visually focused book, Call and Response, The Story of Black Lives Matter. Last year, the two worked together on the Black Lives Matter mural on 18th and Quindaro that was featured in the visually focused book, Call and Response, the story of Black Lives Matter. The mural features a black child kneeling and writing affirmations on the ground like, I will inspire, I will grow, I will breathe. Easterwood also painted the Stony Road We Trod mural at the Garrison School Cultural Center in Liberty, Missouri. The mural depicts the history of education for African Americans in Liberty with images of the Laura Armstrong School, which in 1865 was the first school for African-Americans in Liberty. 
former garrison teachers and principals, and an image of Linda Brown and the Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. Easterwood has plans for more murals across Northeast KCK. Keep an eye on his website for updates. HTTPS semicolon backslash backslash luckyeasterwood.com. This article is titled New Inspirational Mural to be Unveiled in KCK by Jaslyn Johnson, The Community Voice, November 23rd, 2021. The next article is titled FAMU receives 15,000 in donations to aid 300 students experiencing homelessness by Dante Ramos, Blavity News, November 24th, 2021. 300 Florida A&M University students who are facing homelessness will receive assistance through $15,000 in donations to help. During the FAMU National Alumni Association Distinguished Awards Banquet, Polk County Alumni Chapter President Doris L. Hicks donated a $10,000 check to assist those FAMU students in need. Hicks, who donates to the Student Emergency Fund every month, explained that she wanted to do more to help FAMU students after encountering men and women experiencing homelessness in her hometown. I started raising money after seeing these homeless people, she said. I sent letters, I called my friends, I asked everybody I met, people I knew and people I didn't know. It is important to me. Miami-Dade Commissioner Oliver Gilbert also paid it forward, offering $5,000 on top of Hicks' initial donation. It was essential to Gilbert, a FAMU alum, who said he experienced his fair share of homelessness while attending the university. I slept in my car for a semester, Gilbert said. Donations are greatly appreciated because the COVID-19 pandemic has increased the hardships, said Shanta Friday Shroud, PhD, Vice President for the University Advancement and Executive Director of the FAMU Foundation. We are hearing about more cases of students who are either homeless or near homeless, Friday Stroud continued. This makes a big difference. No Rattler left behind seems to be the motive behind this giving movement. This article is titled, FAMU receives $15,000 in donations to aid 300 students experiencing homelessness by Dan T. Ramos, Blavity News, November 24th, 2021. The next article is titled, Iman Shumpert Writes Heartfelt Note After Winning Dancing with the Stars by Kimberly Richards, Huff Post, November 27th, 2021. Iman Shumpert, S-H-U-M-P-E-R-T, is still spinning with emotions after winning this season of Dancing with the Stars earlier this week. The 2016 NBA champion wrote a heartfelt note about his momentous win in an Instagram post on Wednesday, 
His win marks the first time an NBA player has won the show's championship Mirrorball trophy. Thank you to everyone involved in this show. I met incredible people that I won't forget or ever stop rooting for, wrote Shumpert, who most recently played with the Brooklyn Nets. To have done most of the lifting all season and then be lifted off my feet in triumph from this kick-ass cast put a lot into perspective for me. Shumpert gave a shout-out to his upbringing in Oak Park, a suburb of Chicago, and thanked his fellow contestants, the judges, and the show's producers for pushing him to win. He then shared his appreciation for his dance coach, Daniela Karagach, K-A-R-A-G-A-C-H, who he said will forever be one of his favorite people. Karagach also shared her appreciation for Shumpert, writing in an Instagram post on Friday that his passion, hard work, and dedication was unmatched. We'd stay in the studio no matter the hour and worked until you were satisfied with what you saw, she said. We were tired, bruised, injured, and that didn't faze you. I'm truly so proud of you and proud to call you a friend for life. Karagach commended Schumpert for his impressive lifts throughout the season and thanked him for making me laugh every minute of the day. Schumpert's win earned wide praise and excitement from viewers after the finale aired on Monday night. His wife, singer Tayana Taylor, was at loss for words. OMGG, yes, said on her Instagram post. This article is titled, Iman Schumpert writes heartfelt note after winning Dancing with the Stars by Kimberly Richards, Huff Post, November 27th, 2021. The next article is titled, Soccer and Jolof, J-O-L-L-O-F, How Liberians Rebranded Thanksgiving by Alexandra Jane, The Root, November 28, 2021. 200 years ago, the first group of formerly enslaved African Americans resettled in the U.S. colony of Liberia. While some were eager to begin life anew with greater freedom and independence, away from the memory of enslavement, others were unsure about the relocation, as even those with African roots had very little cultural connection with the land or its people. Moreover, most of the settlers' ancestral tie to Liberia at all. To ease the transition, if only a little, Americo-Liberians, as these settlers and their descendants are known, brought their American traditions with them across the Atlantic. One such tradition was the celebration of Thanksgiving, but these days it's no turkey turn-up. Similar to the U.S., there has been great debate in the country over the years as to whether or not to continue celebrating Thanksgiving. Here in America, the focus has been on debunking the myth surrounding the holiday that is based upon a fraudulent story. We know by now that the pilgrims did anything but come in peace, and the continued celebration of genocide seems even more barbaric. Because of this, 
Some have suggested doing away with a holiday altogether, while others have suggested rebranding it as a day of atonement and fasting. In Liberia, the withdrawal of the celebration has more to do with the fact that it was never their holiday from the beginning. Some decades ago, many Liberians saw Thanksgiving Day as a day of religious observation. Previous generations recall spending hours in church in lengthy services held to give thanks to God for everything that came to mind. Brenda Brewer-Moore, activist, educator, and snail farmer, grew up under this generation and has insisted, along many others, that for her family, things would be different. Some other families have barbecues and grill at home, Moore told NPR. I don't like to cook, so for my family, we see it as a nice holiday to rest and watch movies. I've been very deliberate about not doing some of the things my mom insisted that I do, like staying five or six hours at church. If you get a day off from school and work, rest. Hallelujah to that. Many Liberians consider the holiday a beach day, celebrating with barbecues and full-fledged soccer tournaments in the sand. Their favorite holiday meal? Jollof rice which Moore insists is no comparison with Ghanaian jollof and Nigerian jollof. The Liberian version is a much spicier rendition with prawns, chicken, and pork in one dish. With us, if you cook food in Liberia and you cook only one meat, we consider that a poor man's food, Moore commented. Things are hard on you. If you just have one meat, people are going to say, this wasn't nice. When asked what Americans should know about Liberia this Thanksgiving, Moore had this to say. A little too much of our identity has been attached to the U.S., and some of it hasn't been realistic. So the U.S. takes its independence in July. We take ours in the same month. America takes their Thanksgiving in November, and we take our Thanksgiving in November. We do elections at the same time of year America's doing elections. But it rains heavily here, so you have low voter turnout. So we as people are questioning a lot more now. I think it's a good thing, and I think we should be thankful for that, because in the process of questioning, we are able to reflect and hopefully effect change. This article is titled, Soccer and Jolof, How Liberians Rebranded Thanksgiving, by Alexandra Jane, The Root, November 28, 2021. The next article is titled, HBO New Docuseries Unveils the Media's Neglect in Finding Those Black and Missing by Alexandra Jane The Root, November 28, 2021. At the 2004 Unity Journalists of Color Conference, the late Gwen Ifill, I-F-I-L-L, famously coined the term Missing White Woman Syndrome. While participating in the conference's media coverage of National Security Panel, I feel commented, if there is a missing white woman, you're going to cover that every day. The truth in this statement has rung loudly ever since, 
And while we can't say, there have been significant strides made in the media as it relates to covering our missing brothers and sisters, one thing has been noticeable is the media's obsession with their own neglect. The latest in this faux accountability wave comes from powerhouse HBO, who's recently released the Black and Missing docuseries. As described by the network, the four-part documentary follows the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation, Derika and Natalie Wilson, as they fight an uphill battle to bring awareness to the Black missing persons cases that are marginalized by law enforcement and national media. The show revisits the cases of Tamika Hudson, Keisha Jacobs, K-E-E-S-H-A-E, and Pamela Butler, to name a few, and takes a shot at examining just why their disappearances, among so many others, never gained national media attention. In the second episode of the four-part series, Vince Warren, executive director of the Center for Constitutional Rights, claims that this is a part of the disposability of Black lives in our country that two people can go missing at the same time and the entire nation focuses on the white person. He went on to share, if you have been bombarded your entire life with messages and images of black people being poor, down, out, dangerous, it is no surprise that when a black person is in distress, missing, murdered, It is not a big deal to much of white society because they think we don't have much to lose. This has always been the case, and the media's lack of attention only exasperates this false narrative. Janelle Johnson Dash, mother of Michelle Nicole Diamonde Green, who went missing in 2011, is also featured in the program. It's not easy to get exposure for a missing child of color, Johnson Dash told HBO. She was eventually connected with daytime talk show host and legendary actress Whoopi Goldberg, who brought her on the show to discuss her daughter's case. Within 14 minutes of the live airing, the producers had received an anonymous tip and the family was reunited soon thereafter. In the disappearance of Gabrielle Petito early this year, increased coverage over social media and traditional news outlets highlighted the imbalance between the amount of press received in the cases involving missing Black people and those involving missing whites. Black and Missing aims to further expand the spotlight, but only time will tell where its impact will lie. This article is titled, HBO's New Docuseries Unveils the Media's Neglect in Finding Those Black and Missing, by Alexandra Jane, The Root, November 28, 2021. The next article is a special health perspective from the Washington Post, titled, Winter is Coming, But With These Tips, You Don't Have to Fear It by Carrie Leibowitz, The Washington Post, 
November 27, 2021. Many people seem to dislike, even dread, the winter darkness. Complaining about how early it's dark is a common refrain, the backbone of small talk with strangers and colleagues at this time of year. But by hating the darkness or even ignoring it and living as though the natural world hasn't changed, we're robbing ourselves of the chance to make this time of year special. We're overlooking the opportunities that abound when the sun sets earlier. Perhaps instead of fighting the darkness, we should embrace it. I'm a health psychologist who spent a year living above the Arctic Circle in Tromso, Norway, T-R-O-M-S-O, a city that is so far north that from December to February, the sun doesn't rise at all. In Tromso, I lived in a community that doesn't push the darkness away or try to live as though it doesn't exist. Instead, the people of Tromso adapt to the changes in daylight and find ways to celebrate this special time of year. Since returning to the United States, I've realized that the practices I observed in this land of extreme winter can be adopted wherever you live, from Seattle to Florida, to make the dark season cozy, pleasurable, and engaging. Accept the darkness. Like with many difficult things, the first step is acceptance. Accept winter for what it is, colder and darker. Many of us try to pretend nothing has changed when daylight ends earlier. We stick to the same schedules and feel annoyed when we're more tired despite how daylight influences our circadian rhythms and sleep patterns. By recognizing and accepting the darkness, we can make room for it. We might feel sleepier in the winter, and that's okay. Rather than viewing this as problematic, we can see the darker season as an opportunity to lean into rest, go to bed earlier, and when possible, sleep longer. As Catherine May writes in her memoir, Wintering, plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on the same lives that they lived in the summer. They prepare. They adapt. Once we stop wishing it were summer, winter can be a glorious season in which the world takes on a sparse beauty and even the pavements sparkle. It's time for reflection and recuperation, for slow replenishment, for putting your house in order. Embrace indoor pleasures. In addition to resting more, we can also embrace the season as an opportunity for quiet contemplative pursuits, for slower walks bundled up in the cold, for baking bread and cookies with our children, for putting the house in order, for practicing art and music, writing poetry, reading the books that have been piling up on coffee tables and nightstands. In my research, I've asked hundreds of people what cozy wintertime activities they enjoy and found that when asked to thoroughly reflect, almost everyone is able to come up with a long list of things they enjoy doing, especially in winter darkness, from knitting to crafting to snuggling in front of the fire with a book to playing games and practicing yoga. Ida Solhog 
S-O-L-H-A-U-G, a psychology researcher at the University of Tromso, explains how the dark season is a time for these quiet pursuits. We're allowed to sit with blankets, drink a cup of tea, hear the wind, look into the fire, and gather. The winter season grants us permission to slow down, rest, and take stock. Rather than view winter as a time when we are limited by the lack of daylight, we can appreciate and celebrate this season for giving us the chance to reconnect with pleasures and pastimes of a different pace. Get cozy. For indoor activities, coziness is the key. Hi, G, H-Y-G-G-E in Danish, and Koselig, K-O-S-E-L-I-G in Norwegian. Coziness is a hallmark of winter culture in the Nordic countries. Sohog also talks about how light is used to deliberately create that cozy feeling. We gather around the light when it's dark and cold. Indoors, we gather around the fireplace or light candles, which make us associate the dark period as something extra kosalig. Embracing and ritualizing cozy indoor pleasures is part of enduring winter throughout the Nordics. In Iceland, November represents the start of the Jolaboka flood, the Jolaboka flood, or the Christmas book flood, in which new books are released leading up to Christmas, as the most popular Christmas present is a book. On Christmas Eve, many Icelanders crack open their books straight away and spend the evening reading and enjoying hot chocolate, a quintessential cozy activity baked into one of their biggest holidays of the year. Try softer light. To bring coziness into your home this season, try banning overhead lighting at home and rely solely on lamps. To take it to the next level, use only candlelight. When possible, add a crackling fireplace and a warm beverage. Even the act of setting up this lighting is an invitation to pause. As a mindfulness expert, Solhog explains, the ritual of lighting candles may become valuable mindful moments, an opportunity to pause for a while. It seems the key to enjoying the darkness isn't to banish it by turning on as many lights as possible. It's to turn the lights down low and invite the darkness in. This was a practice I observed everywhere in Tromso. Restaurants and cafes had low lighting and plenty of candles, and even lunch breaks and meetings in the psychology department at the university could be conducted by candlelight. See how cooking, reading, doing yoga, showering, or even binge-watching Netflix feels different in a low-moody lighting. Notice how leaning into winter makes it feel completely different from fighting against. Enjoy the light when you can. We're still allowed to love the light, even in the Arctic of Tromso. Bakers work round the clock before the sun returns, preparing a soboler, S-O-L-B-O-L-L-E-R, sun buns, as a traditional donut eaten to celebrate the end of the polar night. It is the two-month period in winter during which the sun doesn't rise at all, and Tromso receives only a few hours of indirect light each day 
as the sun skirts below the horizon. Early risers or morning commuters can revel in the extra light in the morning. We can bundle up and sip morning coffee or eat lunch outside or take a walk in the early afternoon to enjoy the daylight while we can. In Tromso, it was common to take a break outdoors at midday as the sun skirted just below the horizon. As days get shorter, those of us who feel extra groggy in the morning might benefit from the purchase of a sun lamp to stimulate morning light. At the university, the student counseling organization hosts a light cafe where students can sip coffee and sit in front of a sun lamp to help regulate students' biological clocks during the polar night. Even back in the United States now, I use one when I sit at my computer to start my day. Pursue social activities. Good company can make almost anything bearable, so an option proved to boost mental health and well-being is to seek out social support, community, and human interaction. One study published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology found that people standing at the base of a hill looking up estimated the hill to be less steep when they were accompanied by a friend than when they were alone. This and other research on the value of social support suggests that having someone we care about by our side can make intimidating challenges appear easier and more manageable. Social support can make molehills out of mountains, then joining in good company can make the cold, dark nights of winter a little friendlier. And these don't need to be large gatherings to be effective. Meek Weeking, M-E-I-K-W-I-K-I-N-G, author of The Little Book of Higgy, writes that almost 60% of Danes say the best number of people for Higgy is three to four. Gathering with loved ones in celebration of winter darkness might mean hosting a dinner party, bonus points for something warm eaten by candlelight, shabu shabu, or Japanese hot pot hosted by a friend is a highlight of the season for me. Or it might mean planning a recurring happy hour with vaccinated friends, starting a book club even over Zoom, or slipping on a parka and gathering around an outdoor bonfire. Marshmallow roasting required. Social activities give us something to look forward to as the nights get longer. They get us out of our homes and out of our funks. Shift your mindset. My research in Tromso, published with Joar Vitterso, J-O-A-R-V-I-T-T-E-R-S-O, in the International Journal of Wellbeing, found that having a positive winter mindset, viewing winter as a delightful time of the year with many opportunities for enjoyment, was associated with well-being during the winter in Norway. And a growing body of research in psychology suggests that it's possible to intentionally change our mindset, and that by doing so can improve our health, performance, and well-being. With a small change in mindset and approach, we can stop viewing the darkness as closing in on us and start to see the opportunities longer nights afford. This season can be synonymous with contentment and pleasure. 
if we only open our eyes to what is possible. Maybe this year we'll find ourselves greeting the solstice. Maybe this year we'll find ourselves greeting the solstice warmly, like the old friend she is. This article was titled Winter is Coming, but with these tips, you don't have to fear it by Carrie Leibowitz, November 27th, 2021. The next article is titled A Comprehensive Guide to Buying Black During the Holidays by News One Staff, November 25th, 2021. Black-owned businesses are a very important aspect of Black culture. They give us jobs, foster products that are geared towards us, and promote entrepreneurship in our communities. But without our support, many Black businesses wouldn't be able to survive. It might seem difficult to find local Black businesses, but if you have the right tools, that daunting task can become much easier. Tech companies are becoming more aware of the power of the Black dollar and are committing resources to help Black people find Black businesses. Both Google and Yelp have created tools within their systems that identify local Black businesses for people who might search for them. Some apps allow you to locate Black businesses wherever you are in the country. Black-owned radio stations and Black influencers have all dedicated their time and resources to help you find local Black businesses. Following simple guidelines and adding these tools to your shopping plans will guarantee you buy Black and also keep money in your community. Google Black-Owned Business Badge. Google has created a Black-Owned Business Badge that allows businesses to identify as Black-owned businesses. It's a way for businesses to show up on Google Maps and search and interact with current and potential customers online, and it's free. The new feature is a part of the company's pledge to support the Black community with initiatives and product ideas that support long-term solutions. When you want to find a Black company that is certified by Google, Open Google Maps and in the search bar, type Black-owned businesses. Once Google populates businesses for you, look for the Black-owned business badge with an orange circle and a black heart. This means they claimed their Black-owned business status is on Google. There is also a women-led badge for folks who want to be even more specific about their support for Black businesses. Yelp Black-owned business tool. Like Google, Yelp has created a badge that allows business owners to self-identify as Black-owned businesses. If businesses have opted in, you as the consumer will be able to see the business is Black-owned in the amenities section on the website or more info section in the iOS and Android app. Consumers can also search the phrase Black-owned businesses, and a gem will appear in the search results of your business page, identifying it as a Black-owned business. Yelp also allows companies to order a free window sticker that can be put in their storefront to make identification even easier. Top apps to find Black businesses. Many different apps can help you find Black businesses, 
but for the sake of your shopping time, we've narrowed it down to just two to give you the best advantage of finding the right businesses for you. Maria, M-I-I-R-I-Y-A. Maria is an app dedicated to consumers looking to support Black-owned businesses. Designed by Lamine Loco, L-A-M-I-N-E-L-O-C-O, the app gives the consumer a one-stop shop for all your Black business products. The word Maria is a word from the African language of Bambara Diola, which means thoughts and ideas. You can find the app in the Apple App Store as well as the Google Play App Store. We Buy Black. We Buy Black is a website directory dedicated to Black-owned businesses. The site allows business owners to sell their products and consumers to buy them all in one place. The products on the site are all Black-owned, and they also cater to Black culture. They also have a blog filled with a great content geared toward Black consumers. Black-owned media and influencers. Media companies like Radio One have dedicated a lot of time and energy to promoting Black businesses. Many of them have directories that are tied directly into the community. Make sure you're listening to Black Radio to find deals and businesses you might not have known existed without local radio exposure. Also look for your favorite Black social media influencers. Some review and test Black products and even have discount codes they promote on their socials. This article is titled, A Comprehensive Guide to Buying Black During the Holidays by News One Staff, November 25th, 2021. That's all the time we have for the African-American Hour. My name is Rosemary Ankwe. Thanks for joining me.